Amen. If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 14 this morning, the words of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, we'll continue with that. Last week we talked about the reality of the kingdom of God and the king that lives within us. And we need to think properly. Matthew chapter 14. Story I'm sure you all have heard. Nothing new, but maybe there's some great reminders for us here this morning. We're going to read probably a little more than usual, but that's good to get a feel of where we're at. So we'll start in verse 13 of chapter 14. You can follow along with me. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. After It was after he had heard about John the Baptist's death. That's where we're picking up our story. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed the sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about five thousand men besides women and children. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, and he and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And we'll stop there. How many have heard this story before? Raise your hand. Yes. How many have heard a sermon on this? Raise your hand. Yes. (laughs) 
a wonderful story and lots to learn. So for some of you, a lot of reminders. But here in the midst of Jesus' ministry, I don't want to so much talk about what happened, but what he said, since we're talking about the red print. But the context of the situation is clear. After spending a busy, busy day... um, By the way, that's not the way he intended it. He went away to pray. Ever felt like that? Oh, I just want a little time to pray. And then all of a sudden, the multitude of issues follow you, or people, or things, or things to do. And that's what happened to Jesus. And after he does this amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000, he does want to spend that time with his father. So he sends the disciples away on the boat And he sends the multitudes away. And actually says in John's gospel that they wanted to make him king at that point. But he wants no part of that at this point. So Jesus actually sends them into the storm. He knew it was going to be rainy and boisterous and difficult. So he sends them into the storm. And they're in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves. And it was windy. I am not a fisherman or a seaman. The extent of my boating is on Silver Lake. And the waves have never been too boisterous unless I'm in my dinghy. I took my wife for a ride a couple weeks ago. The wind was tough, but I oared us all the way through. By the way, if you're thinking dinghy, you're right. It was plastic. I blew it up. Maximum was 200 pounds, but we exceeded that by quite a bit. But I had my oars, and we were out there in the wind. It was difficult. I was straining. We were in the middle. But through my expert oarsman ability, we made it back to shore. That's the extent of my ability on water. But these guys were fishermen, and this was, even in their expertise, a very difficult situation. And by the way, when it says the fourth watch, it's 4 a.m. They've been rowing for a long time. They're tired. They're getting nowhere. And the wind is rocking them, and I'm sure fear is in their heart. It is a storm. Now, when you look at storms in the Bible, you know how we teach it. Storms are things in life, trials, difficulties that come upon us, things that are contrary to us, not only physically, but maybe spiritually or circumstances. And the reality is we all face storms. Amen. Life is not all rainbows and lollipops. We cannot say that life is always perfect. Sometimes it's difficult, but our attitude makes a whole big difference. Reading this week, I read, and I really liked it, usually there's two types of storms in the believer's life. There's the correcting storm and there's the perfecting storm. What do I mean like that? Sometimes when we're going the wrong way, God has to correct us and he sends a storm in our life. Not all the time, but some of the time, right? What is our scriptural proof of that? Jonah, he's running away. He's going the wrong way. He hops on a boat. And what does God do? He sends a storm. He says, you know, Jonah... You're not doing the right thing, so he sends difficulty and trial. And I'm not saying every storm in our life is for this reason, but I think in my life I can remember a few where God was trying to get my attention and say, listen, buddy, turn around. Anyone remember anything in their life? 
Sometimes because of our action or our sin, God corrects us through a little bit of a trial because our sin brings a little issue, but he's gracious and he's loving and he turns us around to go his way and he's not angry. He just sends a little bit of a storm and he says, come this way. Isn't God so good? Because sometimes we're a little uh, hard in the head and we need a little bit of a storm to wake us up. That's one type of storm. The other type of storm, which I think this one is, it's a perfecting storm, or we might say a maturing storm. Sometimes stuff just happens, right? And the reason it happens is, who knows why? But the reality is God wants to mature us in that trial. So how do we know that? Well, obviously, in James chapter 1, God sends trials to develop our perseverance, our patience, our dependence, and our trust. So sometimes life just happens and things are difficult because there's sin in this world or because life is life and we deal with very difficult things. And God says, I want to teach you in the midst of this storm. Sometimes things are contrary and you're fighting and you're tired and you're wondering why. And it feels like it's 4 a.m. and why the same thing again and again and again. And that's where we arrive, rowing in the middle of this storm that's supposedly maturing us. But why do we do the same thing over and over and over? Why haven't we grown to be able to handle these things a little better? Can you just see yourself? I should have brought my dinghy oar. I was thinking about bringing it and putting it out front, but that would have been a little weird. So anyways, you're just rowing and you're rowing. And you're tired. And you're like, here's the worst part. He sent us out here. Did you think about that? He sent us into the storm. Jesus, wake up. You're probably in shelter, praying nice candles, incense. Just kidding. Anyways, why did you send us out here? Have you ever asked God, why is this happening? What is going on, God? Why did you allow this? Why have you sent me here? This is very difficult. And all of a sudden, in the middle of your storm, who shows up? Jesus. Doing something miraculous, walking on the water. And here's our human reaction. We're more scared of him than we are of the waves. What is that, a ghost? What's going on here? Who is that? Walking on water and, you know, take it in regards to your life and a difficult thing. And maybe the answer or the patience comes in a way that you never expected. And you don't even recognize that it's God and he wants to help you. Because you've decided what you think the answer should be to how he should help you. And all of a sudden he comes and we don't recognize him. And we get more scared of the possible answer than the storm around us. And here we are, and finally Jesus speaks to them, and these are the words I just want to spend a few minutes on today. They're afraid, it's a ghost, we're in this storm, is this really Jesus? What is this? And immediately, God doesn't have us wait. He speaks to them, he speaks to us, and he says this, be of good cheer. Now that clearly means Be encouraged. Be ones who will have courage. Be ones who know 
that God is in the midst of it and he is with you and he will encourage you. Be of good cheer. Before he introduces himself, he asks us to be encouraged, to be thankful, to be joyous in the midst of the storm. Just like James, because the Bible has the same themes, we are to have what in the midst of the trial? Joy. In the midst of the storm. Do you ever wonder why God says stuff like that? What do you mean, have joy? And here again, you're paddling, you're tired. I just saw a ghost. Be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Be emboldened. Be joyful. And then he says, it is I. Now, most weeks, or some weeks, I won't say most weeks, but some weeks, definitely when I have a passage like this, because I don't know Greek, I go to the Greek-English Bible and I say, I wonder what the words actually were in the original. Because sometimes it can give us a little more information. And I was fascinated, because I didn't know this before, as I looked at the words of Jesus when he says, be of good cheer, or in the Greek, be encouraged. He says, not it is I, he says, I am. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? So you're in the middle of the storm. And he says, be encouraged. I am. Now right there, my mind is like going 30 miles an hour. Because we've all heard teaching or devotionals or thoughts on the idea of this I am. So you're in the middle of the storm. Jesus shows up. You can't recognize him. He says, be encouraged. And he says to you, I am dot, 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 dot. What do you need in the storm? Because for some people, they say, well, God is this for you. They come along you in the midst of the difficult time. They're like, well, don't you know God is? I don't need to know what you think God needs to be for me. I need to know what I need from him today. Amen? Because we hear a lot of things from a lot of people. And... Very well, meaning, right? Well, don't you know God's loving, God's hope, and God's patience? Yes, I... Right? Sometimes they're just like cliches hitting us. But we personally need to know something much deeper that Jesus would say to us, I am. Now, it's fascinating because you know your Bibles, right? We're teaching scholars here and Bible readers. We encourage you to do that. But in the Gospel of John, there's the seven great what? I am statements of Jesus. He says this, I am the bread of life. John 6.35, I am the light of the world. John 8.12, I am the door of the sheep. John 10.7, I am the good shepherd. John 10.11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 11.25, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.6, I am the... The true vine, John 14, 1. He is ready to be what you need today because he is I am. He is everything. Jesus is everything you need. And thinking about those things, the bread of life, the first one, in context, it was the Pharisees asking for a sign Well, we want to know if you're really Jesus, so give us a sign. Jesus said, I gave you a sign. 
And then he says to them, and they say, well, what about the bread in the wilderness and the manna? And he says, I am the bread of life. And sometimes we're asking God for a sign. Have you ever done that? Just show me a sign. And he says, I am the bread of life. I am your sustenance. I am everything you need. I have shown you everything you need to see. I am what you need to continue. You don't need another sign. I am. I am the light of the world. You might be thinking in your little computer, what was the circumstance or situation? It was the adulterous woman, remember? The Pharisees brought her. She's a sinner. What are you going to do over there, Jesus? And then Jesus says, throw the first stone. If you've never committed sin, no one can do it. The older leave first, then the younger. And then after that, he says, I condemn you not. Go and sin no more. And then, if you don't know the next verse, he says, I am the light of the world. Wow. Why would he say that in that circumstance? As he tells her she's forgiven and not to sin, he says, I am your wholeness. I am your forgiveness. I am your holiness. I am everything you need. What do you need today? Are you broken? Do you need wholeness? Do you need holiness? Last week we talked about Christ in us. How can he say, go and sin no more? We're going to sin But he's saying you have the capacity within you to live a life that has less sin because I am and I am lives in you. Amen. I am the door to the sheep. He talks about thieves and robbers trying to get in, but he says there's one real door. And Jesus says, I am the door. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of good people, there's a lot of good thought, but there's only one way to eternal life, and it's Jesus Christ. It is Jesus and his love. He is the door into a relationship with God the Father, because he did the work, because if it's up to us, we ain't getting anywhere. But isn't it good? He says, come on in. I'm the door, and he hasn't slammed it, praise God. What do you need? Do you need eternal life? Maybe you haven't even committed your life to Jesus Christ this morning. He says, come on in, I'm the door, I'm the way. You get into it, I'm the life, I'm the truth. I am everything you need. What is truth? Pilate, as Jesus said, I am truth. I am the truth. The life and words of Jesus Christ are truth. And oftentimes we're trying to figure things out from our truth and we just get confused. We need his truth. He is truth. And he's speaking to you this morning. I'm the resurrection and the life. Martha, her brother Lazarus, had just died. Where were you, Jesus? Like you could have stopped this. And he says to her, listen, your brother will rise again, but I want you to know something more important. I am the resurrection and the life. I am your hope. Hey, are you hopeless this morning? Do you feel the circumstance, the storm is hopeless? You don't know what you're doing, where you're going. You don't know how to solve this problem. You're looking at yourself, your own truth. 
And Jesus is saying to you, I am your hope. I am your life. I am your sustenance. I am your light. I am the door. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And we all know Psalm 23. And this week I was reading a devotional and said, just focus on Psalm 23. Recite it every day. Think of the words. And all I could think of doing that for a few days is, God is my provider and God is my protector and he is everything because he is I am. What's your need today? You have a provisional need? God says, I am. Are people after you, persecuting, angry at you? I am your protector. Are people persecuting you in a way that you don't want? I am what you need. I am the good shepherd, and I will lead you and guide you, and you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you will fear not evil because my rod and my staff, they comfort you because I am in the middle of your storm. I am. You may say, well, this isn't sounding like work, but work is difficult. Jesus says, I am enough to get you through the problem at work. I am enough to give you direction in life. I am the one who can help you in your marriage. I am the one who can lead you in that difficult relationship because I am the good shepherd. We just need to follow his voice. But here's the good news. If we don't, he just puts out that staff and that rod. <laughs> you coming back doesn't it give you an immense amount of rest to know that he is everything you need that Jesus is everything you need and if you think of that truly and put that in your head and your heart life becomes a whole lot less stressful And finally, I'm the true vine. We just pray that we would abide. He has the ability to flow in us as we abide in him. All that sap and that goodness is in us and we will produce fruit. Not because we do anything, but because he is the true vine. He is the one who gives us what we need. But I'm not going into last week's sermon, but he says, I am. Oh, my life produces no fruit. I can't believe this. I call myself a Christian. I don't ever do anything right. I have no patience, no love. He says, I am (laughs) those things for you. I'm rowing. (laughs) I'm tired, God. It's just these words are incredible. Hey, be of good courage. I am. Wow. Wow. Where are you at today? I don't know. It doesn't matter how old you are. I bet you some of you have come out of a storm, going in a storm, coming out of a storm, and there's one around the corner because God wants to make you stronger. Remember at the start. He's maturing you. He's perfecting you. He may be correcting you. And you're like, this is too hard, but you're not alone. He shows up. He put you in it. He's not going to leave you alone. And he says, I am. So maybe like Moses in Exodus chapter 310, God is asking you to do something. And you say, I can't do it. Remember that story? burning bush Moses looks oh wow burning bush this is interesting goes finds it God speaks to him whoa you got to go back to Egypt what 
because you're going to release my people. I hear their cry. They're being tortured, and I'm going to use you. No, I tried that once, God, a long time ago, like 40 years ago, and it ended really bad. That's why I'm in the desert hiding, and you show up, and you tell me I'm going to go back. And what does Moses say? He says very clearly, look it up. Who am I? That's Moses' response. Who am I? I can't do this. Have you ever said that in your mind? Maybe you didn't say it out loud. (laughs) Who am I? I can't do this. And who who am I even going to say is sending me? Oh, my. Here's our sermon. I am. I love, I just love the Bible sometimes. Moses, who am I? God says, it don't matter who you are. I am. And you tell him, I am. What? This is a little weird. (laughs) Who is sending you? I am. Oh, okay. Who are you? It don't matter who I am. (laughs) It matters who he is. But for us this morning, it's really important. Because your storm might be God's calling you and asking you to do something (laughs) that requires faith. That requires you to step out. And you this morning are saying, who am I? And God says, it doesn't matter because I am. I am what you need to go back to Egypt and do what I say. Because I'm the one who's going to do the work. And it is in my power. And it is in my ability. And it is all about me. And I am am this morning maybe you feel god is asking you to do something or has asked you to do something and it's beyond your ability and it can be simple things it doesn't have to be moving to africa it could be simply serving your neighbor watching your kids loving your husband and you say i can't do it who am i this is too hard and god says i am and you can do it You can love your spouse. You can be that parent. You can be that witness at work. You can be that person's faith when they have none. Because God can do it. He is I am. And you just have to believe it. Amen? Who am I? It don't matter. We're fascinated with putting letters behind our name. I got an ABC or a BS. Or BCED, or whatever. They got more letters than I know of. And it's great. Education is important. But what's more important is God is I am, and He will help you to what He's called you to. Amen. And if He's called you to a holy life this morning, which He has, He is saying, You can do it because I am and I live in you. Good, right? Amen. Not the end of the story, though. Because Peter's like, is that really you? (laughs) Jesus says, I am. Peter's like, well, really? If you really are who you say you are, tell me to come out on the water. Come. Talking about Jesus' words, come. They're all over the Bible when he says that. Come, come taste and see. If you're thirsty, come drink, come. Jesus is always about an invitation, amen? Come, 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 come. I don't want to come. Come, come, come. He always wants to be with us. He's always calling us. Are this really you, God? Is this really you, God? Well, why don't you come out to me? 
Now, Peter gets a bad rap. I've heard a Bible study on this too. Oh, Peter, big oaf. I can't believe him. Goes out, looks at the waves and sinks. What kind of witness is he? Well, what about the other guys? Did they get out of the boat? No one else wanted to get out. I think Peter sometimes gets a bad rap. That's what the Bible study said. I'm like, yeah, that's right. He's the only one who had faith to actually attempt to go to Jesus. Hey, is it really you? Come. And he gets out and things are going well. It says in scripture, he walks on water, by the way. One of the only characters of all human existence who's walked on water. It was going great. His eyes were fixated on Jesus. He knew who he was. I am. Gave him the power to do what he asked him. And it was amazing. But then he saw what? The wind and the waves. Took his eyes off Jesus and all of a sudden... B-E sinking in the Greek. (laughs) Yes, I did my homework. (laughs) He starts sinking. And then, ah, help. You ever been like that? I just love the Bible. God says, okay, do this. I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm doing it. And then all of a sudden it gets hard. Anything ever got hard that God asked you to do? And it's really hard and you're out there. But all of a sudden, spiritually, you're like, I'm sinking. How many times have you heard people say, God asked me to do something and I've done it. And all of a sudden, my life has got really hard. Anyone hear anyone say that? Anyone feel that? Oh, I'm trying to live a holy life, but all of a sudden, things are really difficult. I hear that all the time as a pastor. Pastor, why does this happen? I'm just trying to obey. And things are coming from here, there, and everywhere that never happened before. All these trials and difficulties. And I am just sinking. And I'm not going to do what he says again because life is just a whole lot harder. I've heard that a lot. When we choose in faith to obey Jesus Christ, It will get hard. And if you take your eyes off him, you will sink. Because he is I am. And if you look away from the one who provides everything you need, it will get very discouraging, difficult, and you will sink. I've done it. But don't we serve an incredible God? So you try to do what he says and you fail. And you're like, oh, God, help me. Oh, serves you right, buddy. Have fun swimming for a little bit. And you can call out to your disciples. And maybe they'll throw you a rope or something. Is that your God this morning? We think it sometimes it is. Because when we fail and we're sinking, we're like, God, you don't help me. Ever been there? And all of a sudden, he reaches out his hand. Don't you love this picture? He just grabbed. And by the way, Peter's probably not a small guy, by the way. History tells us he was probably the biggest of the disciples. He's not like a 110-pound, you know, flyweight out there. Jesus just grabs his hand. Bam. Pulls him up. And, you know, he says, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? But I don't think that's like, oh, I can't believe you. I think it was more like this. Yeah, you're so close. I love you. Just a little more faith. 
And by the way, little I've heard, and I was talking to Amy about it, little doesn't mean always in the moment my faith is always little. It means even shortness of faith. Because listen, Peter had plenty of faith when he got out of the boat and he was walking on the water, right? But it was what? Whatever the time frame, seconds or half a minute, it was later. We don't know how far Jesus was from the boat. It was the shortness in essence of his faith as well as the littleness of his faith. Because there's sometimes we're like, I trust you God and I'll do anything. I'll go where you want me to go. But then next month we're like... You ever been like that? I trust God with everything I have. Maybe you listen to a nice worship set. You've come from church. You've been at home group. You had a great conversation with anyone. The next two days are great. The third day hits and you're like, I can't do this. It's just like Peter. Littleness, shortness. He says, no, no, no. Just keep your eyes on me. You just need a mustard seed. Spread out. Amen. And I love this. The moment they get in the boat, what happens to the storm? What does it say? It ceases. Funny weather there. Raging storm. The moment they sit in the boat, it's over. Sometimes we don't read this. We just read the Bible really fast. Oh, yeah, what a story. Peter, whoa, I can't believe Peter. He walked on the water and got there. That's great. It stopped immediately when they sat in the boat. It ceased no more. And that's God's graciousness when we've held his hand and we're with him in the midst of our failure because of his grace. We will be okay and the storm will cease because he is in the boat with us. Hey, but he might send us out tomorrow. (laughs) And what are we going to do when there's another storm? Same thing? Or shall we learn? Shall I learn? That Jesus is with me. And Jesus will say, Be of good courage. I am. Do not be afraid. Come to me. And when we come and we blow it, You have a God who will not let you drown in the midst of your failure, but his grace picks you up when you call to him and he brings you safely into the boat. I want you to know that this teaching is all about God, all about Jesus, and not about us. (laughs) Amen. It's his words that sustain us. It's his words that protect us. It is his words that get us through. It is his character. It is his action. Every other good moral religion in the world is about my effort. Christianity is about what he has done. And I am thankful this morning it's not about me. It changes everything. Because I can look good for a while. But I know I'm going to drown. But my God, my loving God, my gracious God, who is able, picks me right out of the water. So usually when I study and I'm like, this is pretty good. Thank you, Lord. Because he speaks to me first, right? 
Oh, God, thank you. This is good. But then I have this little voice. How do we apply this to our life? I don't want you to leave this place without applying this to your life. God, speak to me specifically about something you have spoken into my heart that I can take away. Please, folks, will you understand and ask, Jesus, implant what I need to hear today as I leave this place. Speak to me. Not to my neighbor, not to the person in front of me, behind me, not to my spouse. God, speak to me. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. We want more faith, God. And like the disciples, we cry out, Lord, give us more faith. Teach us to have more faith. Yeah, Lord, thank you for your grace in the midst of our lack of faith and our doubt. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're going through a storm right now. Maybe it's just simply a maturing storm and you need to take joy. Each of us is different and have different circumstances in our lives. But maybe you are in a storm. And this morning, Jesus wants you to know he is with you. Maybe there's someone specifically that needed to hear this message this morning. Something that lies ahead. Something that's causing fear. Something that's challenging. These are the words the Lord wants you to hear. Be of good cheer. I am. Do not be afraid. Is that you? Maybe this morning you're wondering, Jesus, is it really you? And you say, show yourself to me. I want you to know that he's saying to you, come, come, come. Keep your eyes on me. Come to me. Holy Spirit, just speak to us this morning. We're just going to have a moment of silence. No one speaking. Just want the Holy Spirit, who is the great speaker of all, the one who lives in us and speaks to us, just give him room this morning in the quiet to speak to you.
feel strongly on my spirit that someone needs to hear this. Hope. I don't know why, but maybe you're feeling hopeless as you're looking at your storm. This felt strongly on my heart. Someone needs to know that Jesus I am. He is your hope. He is the God of hope who gives all joy and peace in believing by the power of his Holy Spirit that you may abound in hope. I am in the midst of your storm. If you're hopeless today, would you know that you have hope in God the Father in Jesus Christ? Lord, we're so thankful. Presently, you are everything we need. And most importantly, you are our forgiveness. You are our forgiveness. You are our redemption. Your body and your blood have given us eternal life. As we take communion, he's saying, I am your forgiveness. I am love. I am wholeness. Praise you, Jesus. If there's anyone in this room who doesn't know Jesus Christ, never accepted him or truly believed in your heart that he's Lord and Savior, never confessed that. I want you to encourage you that he is real and alive and he loves you so much. He desperately wants to be king of your heart and rule and reign. He wants his kingdom of righteousness, love, and peace to reign in you. Have you ever truly given your life to him? Surrendered rowing, surrendered your effort, surrendered your ability and said, Jesus, I trust you. I can't do it on my own. I get lonely and stuck and depressed. I know I'm wrong. I know I failed. Jesus would say to you, you're forgiven. And he would say, as you look to him and accept his forgiveness, he will forgive you because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Is that you this morning? Maybe you've been fighting and trying to argue. You can't argue with God. He just loves you so much. He'll keep lavishing his grace and his goodness on you. I would encourage you, choose Jesus today in your heart. Commit yourself to him. Confess it to someone this morning. Maybe you've been to church your whole life, but you truly hasn't confessed Christ. Find someone, maybe a neighbor, on the way out and say, I truly have chosen Jesus today. Nothing to be embarrassed about. We'll celebrate with you because eternity is your destination. The kingdom of God will live in you. And though things won't get easier, you will have God beside you, inside you, to face the storms. Is that you, Holy Spirit, just work in this moment? Bring a spirit of conviction, conviction of sin. And if you feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, 
I pray this morning that you would choose him. He loves you so much. Take communion this morning and celebrate what Jesus has done. To get our eyes squarely on him and not the wind and the storm. Today, no matter the storm, in communion, would you look at Jesus and worship him? Randy's going to play. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be brothers and sisters in the back. Before you take communion, they'd love to pray with you. Maybe you need to confess sin. Maybe you need help with something. The Bible is clear that we're a family and we're here to encourage one another. Let's worship Jesus together.